Section 6 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Laurie Ann Walden. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 3, by Henry Gray. The Heart, Core. The heart is a hollow muscular organ of a somewhat conical form. It lies between the lungs and the middle mediastinum, and is enclosed in the pericardium. It is placed obliquely in the chest, behind the body of the sternum and adjoining parts of the rib cartilages, and projects farther into the left than into the right half of the thoracic cavity, so that about one-third of it is situated on the right, and two-thirds on the left of the median plane. Size The heart in the adult measures about twelve centimeters in length, eight to nine centimeters in breadth at the broadest point, and six centimeters in thickness. Its weight in the male varies from 280 to 340 grams, in the female from 230 to 280 grams. The heart continues to increase in weight and size up to an advanced period of life. This increase is more marked in men than in women. Component Parts As has already been stated, the heart is subdivided by septa into right and left halves, and a constriction subdivides each half of the organ into two cavities, the upper cavity being called the atrium, the lower, the ventricle. The heart, therefore, consists of four chambers, that is, right and left atria, and right and left ventricles. The division of the heart into four cavities is indicated on its surface by grooves. The atria are separated from the ventricles by the coronary sulcus, auriculoventricular groove, this contains the trunks of the nutrient vessels of the heart, and is deficient in front, where it is crossed by the root of the pulmonary artery. The interatrial groove, separating the two atria, is scarcely marked on the posterior surface, while anteriorly it is hidden by the pulmonary artery and aorta. The ventricles are separated by two grooves, one of which, the anterior longitudinal sulcus, is situated on the sternocostal surface of the heart close to its left margin. The other, posterior longitudinal sulcus, on the diaphragmatic surface near the right margin. These grooves extend from the base of the ventricular portion to a notch, the incisura apices cordis, on the acute margin of the heart, just to the right of the apex. The base, basis cordis, directed upward, backward, and to the right, is separated from the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth thoracic vertebrae by the esophagus, aorta, and thoracic duct. It is formed mainly by the left atrium, and, to a small extent, by the back part of the right atrium. Somewhat quadrilateral in form, it is in relation above with the bifurcation of the pulmonary artery, and is bounded below by the posterior part of the coronary sulcus, containing the coronary sinus. On the right it is limited by the sulcus terminalis of the right atrium, and on the left by the ligament of the left vena cava and the oblique vein of the left atrium. The four pulmonary veins, two on either side, open into the left atrium, while the superior vena cava opens into the upper, and the anterior vena cava into the lower part of the right atrium. The Apex, Apex Cordis The apex is directed downward, forward and to the left, and is overlapped by the left lung and pleura. It lies behind the fifth left intercostal space, eight to nine centimeters from the mid-sternal line, 
or about four centimeters below and two millimeters to the medial side of the left mammary papilla. The sternocostal surface is directed forward, upward, and to the left. Its lower part is convex, formed chiefly by the right ventricle, and traversed near its left margin by the anterior longitudinal sulcus. Its upper part is separated from the lower by the coronary sulcus, and is formed by the atria. It presents a deep concavity, occupied by the ascending aorta and the pulmonary artery. The diaphragmatic surface, directed downward and slightly backward, is formed by the ventricles, and rests upon the central tendon and a small part of the left muscular portion of the diaphragm. It is separated from the base by the posterior part of the coronary sulcus, and is traversed obliquely by the posterior longitudinal sulcus. The right margin of the heart is long, and is formed by the right atrium above and the right ventricle below. The atrial portion is rounded and almost vertical. It is situated behind the third, fourth, and fifth right costal cartilages, about 1.25 centimeters from the margin of the sternum. The ventricular portion, thin and sharp, is named the acute margin. It is nearly horizontal and extends from the sternal end of the sixth right costal cartilage to the apex of the heart. The left or obtuse margin is shorter, full, and rounded. It is formed mainly by the left ventricle, but to a slight extent above by the left atrium. It extends from a point in the second left intercostal space, about 2.5 millimeters from the sternal margin, obliquely downward, with a convexity to the left, to the apex of the heart. Right atrium, atrium dextrum, right auricle. The right atrium is larger than the left, but its walls are somewhat thinner, measuring about 2 millimeters. Its cavity is capable of containing about 57 cc. It consists of two parts, a principal cavity, or sinus venarum, situated posteriorly, and an anterior, smaller portion, the auricula. Sinus venarum, sinus venosus. The sinus venarum is the large quadrangular cavity placed between the two vena cavi. Its walls, which are extremely thin, are connected below with the right ventricle, and medially with the left atrium, but are free in the rest of their extent. Auricula, auricula dextra, right auricular appendix. The auricula is a small, conical, muscular pouch, the margins of which present a dentated edge. It projects from the upper and front part of the sinus, forward and toward the left side, overlapping the root of the aorta. The separation of the auricula from the sinus venarum is indicated externally by a groove, the terminal sulcus, which extends from the front of the superior vena cava to the front of the inferior vena cava, and represents the line of union of the sinus venosus of the embryo with the primitive atrium. On the inner wall of the atrium, the separation is marked by a vertical, smooth, muscular ridge, the terminal crest. Behind the crest, the internal surface of the atrium is smooth while in front of it the muscular fibers of the wall are raised into parallel ridges resembling the teeth of a comb, and hence named the musculi pectinati. Its interior presents the following parts for examination. Openings. Superior vena cava, inferior vena cava, coronary sinus, foramina venarum minimarum, atrioventricular. Valves. Valve of the inferior vena cava, valve of the coronary sinus fossa ovalis, limbus fossae ovalis, 
intervenous tubercle, musculi pectinati, crista terminalis. The superior vena cava returns the blood from the upper half of the body, and opens into the upper and back part of the atrium, the direction of its orifice being downward and forward. Its opening has no valve. The inferior vena cava, larger than the superior, returns the blood from the lower half of the body, and opens into the lowest part of the atrium, near the atrial septum, its orifice being directed upward and backward, and guarded by a rudimentary valve, the valve of the inferior vena cava, eustachian valve. The blood entering the atrium through the superior vena cava is directed downward and forward, that is, toward the atrioventricular orifice, while that entering through the inferior vena cava is directed upward and backward toward the atrial septum. This is the normal direction of the two currents in fetal life. The coronary sinus opens into the atrium between the orifice of the inferior vena cava and the atrioventricular opening. It returns blood from the substance of the heart and is protected by a semicircular valve, the valve of the coronary sinus, valve of Thebesius. The foramina venarum minimarum, foramina thebesii, are the orifices of minute veins, veni cordis minimi, which return blood directly from the muscular substance of the heart. The atrioventricular opening, tricuspid orifice, is the large oval aperture of communication between the atrium and the ventricle. It will be described with the right ventricle. The valve of the inferior vena cava, valvula vena cavae inferioris, or eustachii, eustachian valve, is situated in front of the orifice of the inferior vena cava. It is semilunar in form, its convex margin being attached to the anterior margin of the orifice. Its concave margin, which is free, ends in two cornua, of which the left is continuous with the anterior edge of the limbus fossi ovalis, while the right is lost on the wall of the atrium. The valve is formed by a duplicature of the lining membrane of the atrium, containing a few muscular fibers. In the fetus, this valve is of large size, and serves to direct the blood from the inferior vena cava through the foramen ovale into the left atrium. In the adult, it occasionally persists, and may assist in preventing the reflux of blood into the inferior vena cava. More commonly, it is small, and may present a cribriform or filamentous appearance. Sometimes it is altogether wanting. The valve of the coronary sinus, valvula sinus coronarii, or thebesii, thebesian valve, is a semicircular fold of the lining membrane of the atrium, at the orifice of the coronary sinus. It prevents the regurgitation of blood into the sinus during the contraction of the atrium. This valve may be double, or it may be cribriform. The fossa ovalis is an oval depression on the septal wall of the atrium, and corresponds to the situation of the foramen ovale in the fetus. It is situated at the lower part of the septum, above and to the left of the orifice of the inferior vena cava. The limbus fossi ovalis, annulus ovalis, is the prominent oval margin of the fossa ovalis. It is most distinct above and at the sides of the fossa. Below it is deficient. A small slit-like valvular opening is occasionally found at the upper margin of the fossa, leading upward beneath the limbus into the left atrium. It is the remains of the fetal aperture between the two atria. The intervenous tubercle, tuberculum intervenosum, 
tubercle of lower, is a small projection on the posterior wall of the atrium, above the fossa ovalis. It is distinct in the hearts of quadrupeds, but in man is scarcely visible. It was supposed by lower to direct the blood from the superior vena cava toward the atrioventricular opening. Right ventricle, ventriculus dexter. The right ventricle is triangular in form, and extends from the right atrium to near the apex of the heart. Its anterosuperior surface is rounded and convex, and forms the larger part of the sternocostal surface of the heart. Its undersurface is flattened, rests upon the diaphragm, and forms a small part of the diaphragmatic surface of the heart. Its posterior wall is formed by the ventricular septum, which bulges into the right ventricle, so that a transverse section of the cavity presents a semilunar outline. Its upper and left angle forms a conical pouch, the conus arteriosus, from which the pulmonary artery arises. A tendinous band, which may be named the tendon of the conus arteriosus, extends upward from the right atrioventricular fibrous ring, and connects the posterior surface of the conus arteriosus to the aorta. The wall of the right ventricle is thinner than that of the left, the proportion between them being as one to three. It is thickest at the base, and gradually becomes thinner toward the apex. The cavity equals in size that of the left ventricle, and is capable of containing about 85 cc's. Its interior presents the following parts for examination. Openings, right atrioventricular, pulmonary artery. Valves, tricuspid, pulmonary. Trabeculi carni, cordi tendini. The right atrioventricular orifice is the large oval aperture of communication between the right atrium and ventricle. Situated at the base of the ventricle, it measures about 4 centimeters in diameter and is surrounded by a fibrous ring covered by the lining membrane of the heart. It is considerably larger than the corresponding aperture on the left side, being sufficient to admit the ends of four fingers. It is guarded by the tricuspid valve. The opening of the pulmonary artery is circular in form, and situated at the summit of the conus arteriosus, close to the ventricular septum. It is placed above and to the left of the atrioventricular opening, and is guarded by the pulmonary semilunar valves. The tricuspid valve, valvula tricuspidalis, consists of three somewhat triangular cusps, or segments. The largest cusp is interposed between the atrioventricular orifice and the conus arteriosus, and is termed the anterior or infundibular cusp. A second, the posterior or marginal cusp, is in relation to the right margin of the ventricle, and a third, the medial or septal cusp, to the ventricular septum. They are formed by duplicatures of the lining membrane of the heart, strengthened by intervening layers of fibrous tissue. Their central parts are thick and strong, their marginal portions thin and translucent, and in the angles between the latter small intermediate segments are sometimes seen. Their bases are attached to a fibrous ring surrounding the atrioventricular orifice, and are also joined to each other so as to form a continuous annular membrane, while their apices project into the ventricular cavity. Their atrial surfaces, directed toward the blood current from the atrium, are smooth, their ventricular surfaces, directed toward the wall of the ventricle, are rough and irregular, and together with the apices and margins of the cusps, give attachment to a number of delicate tendinous cords, the cordi tendini. 
The trabeculae carni, columni carni, are rounded or irregular muscular columns, which project from the whole of the inner surface of the ventricle, with the exception of the conus arteriosus. They are of three kinds. Some are attached along their entire length on one side, and merely form prominent ridges. Others are fixed at their extremities, but free in the middle, while a third set, musculi papillaries, are continuous by their bases with the wall of the ventricle, while their apices give origin to the cordy tendini, which pass to be attached to the segments of the tricuspid valve. There are two papillary muscles, anterior and posterior. Of these, the anterior is the larger, and its cordy tendini are connected with the anterior and posterior cusps of the valve. The posterior papillary muscle sometimes consists of two or three parts. Its cordy tendini are connected with the posterior and medial cusps. In addition to these, some cordy tendini spring directly from the ventricular septum, or from small papillary eminences on it, and pass to the anterior and medial cusps. A muscular band, well marked in sheep and some other animals, frequently extends from the base of the anterior papillary muscle to the ventricular septum. From its attachments it may assist in preventing over-distension of the ventricle, and so has been named the moderator band. The pulmonary semilunar valves are three in number, two in front and one behind, formed by duplicatures of the lining membrane, strengthened by fibrous tissue. They are attached by their convex margins to the wall of the artery at its junction with the ventricle, their free borders being directed upward into the lumen of the vessel. The free and attached margins of each are strengthened by tendinous fibers, and the former presents, at its middle, a thickened nodule, corpus orantii. From this nodule, tendinous fibers radiate through the segment to its attached margin, but are absent from two narrow crescentic portions, the lunuli, placed one on either side of the nodule, immediately adjoining the free margin. Between the semilunar valves and the wall of the pulmonary artery are three pouches or sinuses, Sinuses of Valsalva. Left atrium, atrium sinistrum, left auricle. The left atrium is rather smaller than the right, but its walls are thicker, measuring about three millimeters. It consists, like the right, of two parts, a principal cavity and an auricula. The principal cavity is cuboidal in form, and concealed in front by the pulmonary artery and aorta. In front and to the right, it is separated from the right atrium by the atrial septum. Opening into it on either side are the two pulmonary veins. Auricula. Auricula sinistra. Left auricular appendix. The auricula is somewhat constricted at its junction with the principal cavity. It is longer, narrower, and more curved than that of the right side. Its margins are more deeply indented. It is directed forward and toward the right, and overlaps the root of the pulmonary artery. The interior of the left atrium presents the following parts for examination. Openings of the four pulmonary veins, left atrioventricular opening, musculi pectinati. The pulmonary veins, four in number, open into the upper part of the posterior surface of the left atrium, two on either side of its middle line. They are not provided with valves. The two left veins frequently end by a common opening. The left atrioventricular opening is the aperture between the left atrium and ventricle, and is rather smaller than the corresponding opening on the right side. 
the musculi pectinati, fewer and smaller than in the right auricula, are confined to the inner surface of the auricula. On the atrial septum may be seen a lunated impression, bounded below by a crescentic ridge, the concavity of which is turned upward. The depression is just above the fossa ovalis of the right atrium. End of section 6